We're going to pick up today in our series, the Sermon on the Mount, and we go to the next point today. I, I want to draw your attention, before I, before I do that, I just need to um, say to Dolores, it's good to see you back. I know that you've been in pain. I know that you had a couple of surgeries since we last saw you. Um, they had to go fix a problem, so it's good to have you here. Good to see everybody. Turning your Bibles to the book of Matthew, I'm going to give you some uh, passages of Scripture. I hear that uh, Tanika did an excellent job last week. And it is always good to hear. Now, as you know, whenever I'm away, I always, when I'm, I'm looking at the clock and said, okay, they're probably at this point of the service, and they're probably at this point of the service. All right, they should be out right now. I can call and find out how things went. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I absolutely do that. So if you're writing the scriptures down, we're going to read Matthew 5, verses 13 through 16. We're going to read Leviticus chapter 2, verse 13. And while I may not get to Ephesians, I'm going to read it anyway. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 through 14, part A of the verse. Mark chapter 4, verse 21, and Luke chapter 8, verse 16. As I read them, I will repeat them. Okay. Sister Hayes, it's good to see you. I know that you're out of town. You had called. So how are you doing? Good. Excellent. And Chauncey has not been here in a while. Brother Chauncey's working on the project for me. We'll just get, gather some information. It's good to see you, Brother Chauncey. I know that you have a major problem with your back, and so we just... I'm glad to see you today. Good to have you back. If you stand to your feet, please. Let's have a word of prayer. We thank you, Lord, today for this tremendous privilege of preaching the word of God. And we pray that you will give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. Thank you right now for the, uh, the abundant life that we have in Christ we don't just have a little bit of life. We have abundant life. And we're grateful to you today that our life is in Christ. It's in you. We give you glory and all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to let you go ahead and sit as I read the scripture. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. Sister Michelle was dealing with some of this is the day during her Sunday school. Actually, the portion of light. So, Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 13, be reading from the NIV. And it says, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and gives light, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father 
in heaven. Turn over to Leviticus chapter 2. Leviticus chapter 2, verse 13. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Third book, the beginning, the Bible, the Old Testament. Season all your grain offerings with salt. Do not leave the salt of the covenant of, a, of your God out of your grain offerings. Add salt to all your offerings. Turn your Bibles to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18, verses 8 through 14. Ephesians 5, 8 through 14a. It says, for you were once darkness, but now you are the light, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, in parenthesis 9 says, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. But rather expose them, for it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For it is light that makes everything visible. Turn to the book of Mark, chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, verse 21. Mark chapter 4, verse 21. He said to them, do you, bring in a, do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? Luke chapter 8, verse 16. Luke 8, verse 16. 16. No one lights a lamp and hides it in a jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, he puts it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. The title that I've given the sermon is Salt and Light. Salt and Light. Uh, salt is a preservative. There are some people who, before tasting their food, start sprinkling salt on it. Before they have even tasted it, as an automatic response, they pick up the salt shaker and start seasoning. And my comment and question is, have you tested your food yet to know how much salt you actually need. It is out of habit that people pick up the salt shaker. How many of you pick up the salt shaker before you taste your food? <laughs> and, if the, and if the food is already too salty, you have just created a problem for yourself. We're going to look at, uh, and I'm going to explain as I go through this, but point one is 
don't look around for another person. You are the salt and light. Don't look around for another person. You are the salt and the light. After Jesus has given his eight Beatitudes, and in our study, we actually separated out the eighth and we called it the ninth Beatitude because we separated the very last one. He now moves to what I'm calling the application of those who are his and are expected to represent him in this unsalted dark world. You are the salt of the earth. The very first thing that Jesus says to the disciples and those that are there, he says in verse 13, you are the salt of the earth. There are three groups, <clears throat> groups of people that we will consider in our study today. We're going to consider the ain'ts, the faints, and the saints. The ain'ts, the faints, and the saints. Now, I know grammatically that the word ain't is not a word that we should use in showing good grammar. But for the purpose of our study, we will use the word ain'ts to draw out our points today as well. So let's just, for the three, give the definition as I am using it. The ain'ts are those who are still in darkness. The Lord is not their Savior. Those are the ain'ts. The second group that I'm calling are the faints. These are those professing Christ, but are always saying and showing by their lifestyle a very compromised walk. Faints, F-A-I-N-T-S, the faint. Not fake, the faint. These are those professing Christ, but are always, as I said, saying and showing by their lifestyle a very compromised walk. They may talk like a saint, but it is hard to distinguish them from the ain'ts. I, I, I want you to get this. Then we have what we are calling the saints. These are the ones where, whom Christ exhorts to represent him by their lifestyle. It is this third group that Christ expects to turn this world upside down. As we look at the first, what we're going to deal with the saints in this passage, in verse 13, we note that Christ says, you. Now, I need you to understand that it was the disciples that went up the mount along with others, and they sat down, and the Bible says, if you look back, that he began to teach the disciples. And it was the Beatitudes, the word meaning blessed, he began to teach them and to tell them what the expectation was and, and, and what the, uh, the plan was and what, what it, it would take in order for them to inherit the kingdom of God in order to be blessed. He laid out the Beatitudes, but right after the Beatitudes, he then says to them, you are the salt of the earth. 
Not that you are going to be, but you are the salt right now. The group represents those who are referenced in the beatitude that Jesus had already been speaking about, as I said. And he points his finger and says, you, you, you are. Today there are many people that want to point the finger at somebody else and says, you do it. You be the example. You be that person that I'm looking to to show me what I should do. But, but the problem is that if you're looking to somebody else, what is their relationship to God? Have you looked carefully to see how they're walking? Are you simply saying, no, no, not me. But the Lord says to the disciples, you are. And even though the disciples are up and down, in and out, all over the map, he says, you're the salt. Why the pinpointing of this group? It is only this group that stands in contrast to anyone else that is able to bring the seasoning needed to a world that has no seasoning nor preserving quality. It is the saints that actually are the ones that it's called to be salt in a world that has no salt. Now, the world thinks that they're salty. They think they're able to be that group that has per- preservation or preservation qualities, but they can't preserve anything. The Lord says to the disciples, you're to be that, that barrier, that one that separates people. Or let me say it this way. You're to be that group that shows people how to reach me. You're to be the individual that, that, that stands in the way of people going to hell. You're to be that people that even though others in the world may make fun of, I'm looking for you and to you to be the change agent for them. These things preserve and have within them the properties that the earth needs. And even though the world may not know it, they need the saints. The ants need the saints. They can't get to God on their own. They cannot make it in life unless the saints are there peppering them with truth. There's no one and nothing that can bring the balance needed to this earth but the saints because of the one who salts them. You you see, when you think about salt, salt has at times been used as payment for armies. Salt has been used as payment when people didn't even have money for things. What's, What's the purpose of salt? You see, salt is, is good for seasoning. When I'm, when I'm cooking, this, and this, I, I'll say this way. When I'm making some beans, I like red beans. And, and I like to prepare the water. I go get a piece of meat, and I'll put that meat in the water. And I'll let that meat cook in that water for a long time. 
I want that meat to season the water. And so I will put it on the fire and I will let it cook. I am using that meat because it has salt, but it has seasoning properties in it. I'm looking for a certain taste. So I start first with the meat by putting it in the water. See, if I just go ahead and say, I want some beans and throw the beans in the water, cook them, it's not going to give me the taste that I'm looking for. I'm going to be like some of y'all, just start pouring salt on it. And then after the meat has cooked in that water for a long period of time, I then take out my seasonings. But I ain't going to tell y'all what it is. That's my secret. <laughs> and I get these different seasonings. And, and, and I, I haven't measured, but I just start pouring different ones based on how much water I have in there. And then after I have a certain amount of seasoning, I said, okay, I then stir it up and then I taste it. I said, it's missing something. And then I add the other seasonings that I think it's short of or I don't quite taste. I need to taste a little bit more. You see, because the seasoning that's in that pot, I need to get that seasoning into the beans. And so I'll add the seasoning to the point, excuse me, of, of what I would like for the beans to taste, what I want to taste in the beans. So I put it there, and then I let it cook, and I add a few other things in there that I ain't going to tell you all about either. And then I'll put that meat and the beans on the fire, and then I'll cook it. But, but, but then after it cooks under that pressure, I set myself a timer. Then I take it off, and I taste now the, the beans, and I taste the broth or the water that is now the broth that I'm looking for, and I see, is this the taste that I'm looking for? It, there's something still missing. The beans now have absorbed some of that salt, but it's still not enough. It needs to cook a little bit more, and at that point, I may add a little bit more salt, but i got to be careful right now, because if I add too much salt, I'll blow it. All the time that I spent preparing that, I can oversalt it. So as I taste that food, I'll add more salt. Then I may cook it a little bit more. Then I take it off, and then I'll let it sit. You know the good thing about once you cook, food is not always the best that day. It's like best two or three days later. But I prepared that water, prepared it because I was looking for it. A certain taste, and it was salt. You, you see, people take salt for granted. People take light for granted. When we think about salt, not only does it have the ability to season, but it also has the ability to preserve. You see, it makes no difference if all those in the armies back in the times of Jesus, the Roman army, it would make no difference if they got all the meat they wanted and had no salt, because that meat would spoil faster. What would they do? They'd work and be paid sometimes with salt, because they could use that to preserve their food. Now think about this. If you are the salt of the earth, somebody is tasting you. What are they tasting? 
How well are you seasoned? How do you stand up when Jesus says you are the salt of the earth? You see, the world thinks that they don't need anything. They think they have all the ingredients that they need in order to be okay with God. But they're just water in a pot. You see, the ants ain't got much. They need the saints who helps to season them and to help them in the areas that they don't even know they need help in. And so when Jesus says that you are the salt of the earth, he was making a huge statement. You are the one that helps people to see life. You are the one that stands before people and God and helps people to know that it may be me that helps to point you to Christ so that you don't have to experience eternity without him. We minimize our role. Not only must you have flavor, but you also have to preserve. Now get this. Don't get caught up all on yourself. It is the one in you who's preserving. Sometimes we get beside ourselves and think it's all about me. It's about the one that is in you. You see, one of the things and problems that if something is not salted, it will begin to decay. One of the problems that they had in the Old Testament was that they didn't have refrigeration, and so decay could begin to set in or something could begin to spoil. And so they had to pack things and use salt. But the problem is that with sodium chloride is that it really, and we won't get into the theology parts of it today so much, but but sodium chloride, it said, really does not lose its saltiness. That's what salt is made of, a sodium chloride. But what was Jesus saying? That, that, that if it loses its saltiness, look at, look at the verse here. But if the salt loses its saltiness, the faints, the faints. Now, as I was looking at this, I said, like, how can I help and look at this maybe in a different way? You see, when I looked at the verse, but if the salt loses its saltiness, I thought of the faint. You see, if salt is contaminated, it loses its value. And it loses its ability to do the job that it is supposed to do. You see, it was the problem of having salt mixed with everything else in it. The properties, the properties of the salt itself was to preserve. It, was, it had a certain job. But if it was contaminated, it couldn't do it. When a saint tries to live in the world like the world, and yet they have been called to be the salt of the world, you have compromised your walk. When, when the salt loses its, its, its savor, not savior, savor, when it loses its ability to be able to be used for the purpose that it was made for, when it loses that, 
It's only good to be thrown out. You see, if you're, to po- if you're supposed to be that one that stands in the world as salt, and there's a world that needs to be saved, and you are dipping and diving, participating with, so that the world can't tell you apart from them, how effective is your ministry going to be? How can you be a person that the world looks at and says, I can look at that person because I I really need help and that's the person I can go to? Or do they say, Marcus, what you doing here? Do they look at you and say, I thought you were supposed to be. Do questions arise in their minds? Do doubts begin to come to the service about what they're looking at when they see you. Are you a saint or have you fainted? What good is salt if it's, if it's lost its saltiness, its savor? Where do you stand? When, when a person looks at you and Christ says to you, you're the salt. Do you go hide and go, not, not me, not, not, not today anyway. <laughs> or can you stand and say, yes, I am that one. If you were to look at the disciples, if you, as you looked at Jesus' ministry, y'all would be saying, not them, no, not that group of men. Not those fishermen, not those individuals who would cut your head off, not, not these people. Yes, those people. And so when you're there bashing yourself and saying, not me, I'm not good for anything, Christ says, you are the salt of the earth. But when there's been compromise, you've lost your savor. And the Lord says, next, for how can it be made salty again? You see, the ants are the ones who think that they bring value and quality to this earth. But the ants don't have any value. Those that don't know the Lord don't have value in the sense that they can bring anything to the earth. They have nothing that they can offer. You see, when you look at what Christ places in you, you have the ability to take that. And to be able to give it away to those who are in need. And so when Jesus mentions who were the real salts, who they really were, they are the very ones that the ants want to throw away. (laughs) You see, the world wants to throw you away, but the world doesn't know it. It needs you. So when you look on the news scene and they're bashing Christians, they're bashing the saints, they don't oftentimes know that it's the prayers of those saints that's helping to keep them Alive in this earth so they think so that they don't have to face right now the judgment of the almighty God. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. So what would salt then do? In other words, it's not even good for the manure pile. If salt has lost its saltiness, its savor. What do they do? They would just throw it out and they would trample it underfoot. They just 
throw it out and walk on it. Nothing it has no value. Are you salty? Or are you contaminated? Has your walk been compromised? Or can Christ look at you and say, that's my saint. They haven't fainted. (laughs) You are the light of the world. A city on a hill. Salt and light are two items that are often taken for granted. Salt and light are the two very things that Christ says that the disciples and that you are. The other day I went to the movie to see War Room. If you haven't seen it, go see it. Movie that I feel holds to biblical principles. And I like what I saw in regards to that movie. Some movie you go and think, they're taking a lot of liberty. But in regards to just soundness, and it, it, there was a, a freshness about that movie that I liked, even though the secular world didn't like it because of where it started to rate on the charts. When it became number one, they didn't like it. The ain'ts didn't like it. But I need to tell you that the world needs to know that it's the prayers of the saints. And so I went to this movie, and as I was sitting there, I had made a little sandwich because I don't like eating any food at the theater. <laughs> I like popcorn crumbs get all stuck in my throat. <laughs> Trying to get the kernels out of your throat. Time you go sit down, you see you have $15, $20. To get some something to drink, some pop, pay ten, twelve dollars just to get in the movie. Well, I could have went to to dinner and everywhere else. So I made my own sandwich and then snuck it in. Don't tell them. Along with my fries. <laughs> While I was sitting there eating, part of my sandwich, a part in the inside of me fell, and I'm, 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 I'm feeling for it, but I can't tell them to turn the lights on so I can find it, <laughs> so I said, honey, you got, your, you got your, 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 your phone, your light, turn your light on for a minute, turn the light on, it was sitting right there, and if it was on the floor, so it was definitely a good place, pop right, right in my mouth. Has fallen to the floor. <laughs> but that said something to me. Just a small light shining in the right place allowed me to find what I was looking for. I was feeling all over. Couldn't find it. But the moment the light, there, there it is. <laughs> and, you, and let me say this. Y'all know when y'all eating something and you drop the last part of your food, oh, you get so upset. Because that last part is like what you've been, 
uh, you just been treasuring, about to eat the last, and it falls. I know some of y'all look around and see if anybody looking. Am I going to pick this up off the floor? <laughs> the three-second rule. Some of y'all got the 10 and 12-second rule. <laughs> yeah, looking around. I know y'all. I ain't the only one. <laughs> but that small light gave me the ability to see what I was looking for. The Lord says, you are the light of the world. Now think about it. The light of the world. What is he saying? People. People to people to people. You are the light. Christians are the light to those that are darkness. People are not only in the dark, they are the dark. The ants are the dark. And the Lord says that you are the light of the world. You see, the world cannot see righteousness if you're not shining bright. They can't see Jesus if he's not shining through you. If you take your light and put it under a bowl, it can't be seen. You don't take a light and put it under a bed. I need to go see, and you go stick it on. No, what you do, you put that light up on the lampstand, on the light stand. You put it on the stand so that it can give light, not only to you, but everybody in the house, in the vicinity. Christ places a great value on you and tells you that you are the light of the world. And he's telling this to his disciples even though he knew that they were going to desert him and leave him. And yet he says, you are. But see, how do we hide our light? We do it at times by money, by the fact of, oh, I can't serve the Lord this month. I got to go make this money. I can't go to church at all. I got to make this money. When the cares of this world overshadows us, we are hiding our light under a bowl. When we take those things that God blesses us with, and then we allow those to overshadow our light so that we no longer allow the light of Christ to shine through us, we are hiding our light. No one takes the light and puts it. On a bowl. I, we, we used to have fun years ago. I know Sister Ruby might remember this as well. When sometimes when we'd be coming down from, coming from the city, we would always look at Marin City and we would look to the church to see if we could see the lights on at the church. And do you not know, coming down the freeway we can look, and if the lights are on in this church, you can see it. You can see other light, but it was we were looking for the light of the church, even as kids. And when we saw the lights, oh, hey, we see the lights. The lights are on. Somebody's there. Bible says that a light upon a hill. It, it can't be hidden. It's, it's, it's upon a hill. You can see a light from a long distance away. You know, when we go walking at night, I sometimes go walking at night. Me and Mel, we'll go walking, and 
Some, some people have seen us out walking. Some people I hadn't even known. They say, I see you guys out walking. You guys are way over there. And, and they know where we. And, and <clears throat> at nighttime, we use light. Now, Mel has something around her waist that we, we got once we went to camp for the 4th of July. They are, it's, it's a light that normally goes around your neck, but we're able to put it, to make it longer and put it around the waist. And we use that when we're walking so we can be seen. It has, it's cool. It has different colors. You know, it, it looks like, like a neon light. One person, we'd be driving, be walking, some people go, hey, it's a party! <laughs> <laughs> and people walk around, oh, those are cool lights! And you can see her a long ways away. I have a little flashlight as I'm walking so that we can be seen. Sometimes we're wearing all dark clothes, but i am got my little flashlight. Why? Because I know that we can be seen. And if a car is, is coming, and I think it may not see us when we're about to cross, I'll do the light a little bit so that it knows somebody is there. In order for the world to be able to see its unrighteousness, your light has to be shining. Now, if your light is not shining because you are under the bowl or you have been tipping and dipping and and have not ever come out of that, People can't see the light. They're not going to see the light. You have to be that light that people can see. And remember this. Don't get beside yourself again. The light is Christ shining in you, and you are actually just allowing him to illuminate your life through the light that is him, and it's showing. So he says, you are the light. What? And it's, again, what's the purpose so that God may be seen, he may be glorified? Even in the persecution, it's so that he may be glorified. And then when it comes to the saints getting saved, the saints are the ones that allow the light to shine through their life. I'm going to be done in a couple of minutes. If you try to hide your light, how can anyone come to Christ? Your light is not for a select group of people to benefit from. Your light is to shine for everybody to see. Now, don't be cuckoo with your light. You, you don't have to, look at me, I'm a Christian. I'm a saint. All you sinners. All you devils. Lord, have mercy. You let your light shine. In other words, you don't have to prevent it. Don't try to prevent your light. Let it shine. So when... You stand back and you can say, well, well, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I believe that it's wrong. Huh? Everybody else thinks that is right. Well, I believe that that's not right. And so when you take a stand for that which is righteous, you're letting your light shine. When a person says, what do you, st- where do you stand on this issue? Well, this is where I stand. I stand here and I believe that this is the proper way that it should be done, or my belief in God does not allow me to believe that because it's against the law of God. So I cannot accept that lifestyle. I cannot accept a person doing that. Why? Because I represent someone. 
You see, people will get angry with you when you take a stand for that which is right. And you will be tempted to not let your light shine because of how people might treat you. You see, for the ants to be saints, they have to see your life. The salt, they have to see the light. They have to see you as being salt and light in this world. This world is living in darkness, and this world can never heal itself. This world will never heal itself. And if people in the church don't begin to see and understand that God has called us, Christ has called you and me to be the ones that allows him to shine through us. So that when people are drawn, they're drawn to him. If we're blocking that in any way, people are going to be lost. They need to have the opportunity to be able to say, I see, but I'm rejecting. I won't believe in the Lord. But don't allow your life to be unsalty. Don't allow your life to not have the light shining through. Bow your heads. I want you to take personal inventory this morning. Of all the things in life, I want you to take personal inventory. And see, and look at and see, am I really being the salt to this earth and the light as I'm supposed to be. Today, Lord, we are praying that you will expose that we will clearly take a look at ourselves in the way that we are supposed to. That whatever we see, we will say, well, that's what it is, and then we will do something about it by saying, Lord, cleanse me, do a, a work in me. That we won't resist the Spirit of God. And that we will allow the, our lives to be salt that helps people to see. I stand against and I stand for. We pray that we will be the light in this dark world that is heading quickly towards dissipation and they are heading quickly in, an, in a way that, that displeases you and away from God. They are heading quickly down a path that Lord has no return. May we be lights to those individuals that stops them and can help them because of Christ shining bright that gives them the hope of change. So we want the ain'ts, Lord, to be saints. May the faint harden the face. May they realize that compromise does not allow the salt to preserve nor the light to be seen. But the Lord calls us to be saints for him. And so today we thank you for the word. We thank you for your grace, your glory, and your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. See you later this week. God bless you.